0: Welcome to The Axe the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of the premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. And now, on to the podcast.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to another installment of the Axe Change Business School podcast. I am Brenda McNeil, your host today a finance student here at Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, and my guests today are Leanne and David Harrison from uh, the Nova Scotia Securities Commission, and I'll let you guys carry on your introductions and your duties there.
2: Uh, hello, Brandon. It's, uh, uh, my name's David Harrison. I'm the uh, Investor Education and Communications Officer at Nova Scotia Securities Commission, and uh, we'd like to thank you for inviting us to be on today. You're very welcome. Glad to have you here.
3: Uh, my name is Leanne Brachon. I'm a senior investigator uh, with the Nova Scotia Securities Commission in the enforcement branch.
1: So, guys, David and Leanne, um, before we get any further into everything, I want you to get you guys to explain to the viewers and the, the listeners, I should say, the extent of the Nova Scot- Scotia Securities Commission's duties and what roles you guys play in, and kind of what field you play in there.
2: Okay. Okay. Um. Well the Nova Scotia Securities Commission is the securities regulator in the province of Nova Scotia uh, every province and territory across Canada has their own securities regulator and in Nova Scotia that's us so we regulate all securities uh, stocks bonds CTFs etc and uh, derivatives in uh, in the province and that would include registrants uh, issuers so anything to do with securities it basically comes through our office
1: right. And, Lynn, you are the enforcer, as your title goes. So what are you more in investigation side of things at the commission?
3: That's correct. I am an investigator at the commission, and uh, our, the enforcement branch uh, is, is the arm of the commission um, that uh, receives information, complaints, and uh, information, and then we proceed, uh, go through to have investigations And then at the end of the investigation, there may also be proceedings or hearings that happen before the commission panel.
1: Okay. So to get some real-world kind of uh, stories and evidence behind your guys' duties and what you're doing, I want to get you to uh, fill me in about the World of Tickets case that's currently... Um, is it is it underway or they're going to court shortly, are they not?
2: There'll be a hearing uh, yeah. in our judicial uh, tribunal. Okay, uh, I believe it's November 23rd and 24th. And so what is World of Tickets
1: and where did they go wrong?
3: Well, World of Tickets is uh, a gentleman by the name of Vincenzo Vincenzo Petanicchio. And Mr. Petanicchio, essentially, in a nutshell, is alleged to be selling securities in Nova Scotia without having a license or without being registered with the commission, so without okay. without being allowed to do so. And in, in our world, that's what's called an illegal distribution of securities. Right. Um, and uh, those securities would not have been regulated by us.
1: Yeah. So if he's not regulated, how would he get his hands on these securities to sell? Or is that a bit uh, more of a complicated question?
3: It can be a bit of a complicated question uh, because the securities are not necessarily pieces of paper. Yeah. Uh, and so a security actually is any investment contract. Okay. So, in this particular case, uh, he made uh, certain representations that he was going to to take people's money and in return for that, he was he was going to offer them a large return. And that's what makes that a security.
1: Right. Okay. so it wasn't actually any equity stake in a company necessarily. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, And how did this come across your desk? Is that private information or was it a tip from somebody or how did that come about?
3: Well, generally speaking, we receive complaints and we receive information. So any Nova Scotian can contact us if they feel uh, that that they are the victims of fraud or they feel that something has happened, they want to check something out, they can reach out to us. And so in this particular case, that's how we received information through a complaint. And that's generally how we get it. We are mostly... Complaint driven.
1: Okay, so now I see the importance of of David, your investor education job to to say people you do need to do your due diligence because that's the best way to to find and, and seek out the fraudulent yeah, activity. Yeah,
2: exactly. We we want. Unfortunately, a lot of people come to us after they've been defrauded. We'd like to give people the education information they can use up front to try and avoid falling into that situation in the first place. And education, we found, is one of the best ways to do that.
1: Yeah. So, in my world, I've seen a lot of fraud as of late, I imagine you have as well, investing in cryptocurrencies. And I want to um, get your guys' perspective, and and is there any ICOs, uh, initial coin offerings going on in Nova Scotia, and have you guys seen any instances of fraud around cryptocurrency in the latest boom and hype cycle?
3: Of course, we have Uh, everybody. Everybody wants it, right? Um, uh, Cryptocurrencies and ICOs are are very uh, prevalent today. They're they're the result of very new and advanced technologies. Um, In Nova Scotia, um, anyone who wants to issue an ICO um, may do so, and they may. uh, What we ask them to do is to see if what they're doing will result in uh, them issuing a security. Because some right. crypto is not securities. Yeah, But at the initial stage, at the ICO stage, you may have a security there. Yeah. And if that's the case in Nova Scotia, and if you want to do that, you can. You can come to us, and we can help you. So we can help you make the determination of whether or not the activity that you want to engage in there would require registration with the commission.
1: This is great to hear because I've, I've been involved in following the cryptocurrency industry for a couple of years. And a lot of, at least in the beginning stage through 2016, 2017, in North America and, and, and somewhere in, in Europe as well, but definitely in China, it was like... I had, uh, all-out warfare uh-huh. against ICOs and cryptocurrency, kind of just pushing it away. No, we don't want yep. you here. Um, you have no place in a regulatory jurisdiction. But it's great to hear. So you guys take more of a, a collaborative approach. It is like if if you want to have an ICO you can you just need to we will help you do it the right way kind of thing yeah. that's
3: right yeah, yeah. definitely um, in canada you know all all the uh, financial tech and all the fintech out there there is uh, there are committees and you can engage with any securities regulator in in canada and they can they can help you uh, make that determination yep. and of course that works really well because then then you would have legitimate firms right? and then we could deal with those better than uh, hearing about what people are investing in sort of uh, out- outside of the jurisdiction where you just have no idea, right?
1: That's great. So um, are, are these companies allowed to have ICOs that are securities, they just need to file the correct regulations with you or are they just not allowed to have securities?
3: Oh, sure. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what makes it a security is any investment contract. So, it, so at the yes. initial stage, it may be that they're offering a, a, a particular return, uh, and that kind of return uh, may result in what they're doing to be classified as a security. Okay. Now, down the road, I should say down the road, uh, wh- where you do have cryptocurrency itself, that, may, that itself may not be a security. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're looking at Bitcoin, for example, that's been determined not to be a security. It is a commodity. Um, So we're looking more or less at that initial stage, if I could sort of pull it down to one thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and if it isn't a security, because there's other types of tokens, such as so-called utility tokens, Mm -hmm. which um, don't have shares in the company or or voting rights or promise any returns. They're just used for something on the platform, whether that's buying and selling items on, on a game or whatever else not. So would those be kind of like left by the leeway? Like you don't need to worry about regulating those or are those allowed as well? That's a great question.
3: Yeah. You do need to worry about them yeah. uh, if you're issuing them. Um, the way that you do that, there can be so many ways that you can raise capital. Yeah. It would be so vast we could never get into it today. Yeah. And it is, it is more or less those types of activities generally okay. that that could result in you being uh, involved in securities. Yeah,
2: right. It, it could still be a security. We recommend anyone starting in an ICU in any form to consult a securities lawyer. And let them know what they're doing, so they can get advice on whether this is a security or not and if you're told you are and need more questions to ask, come to us. we have uh, had had a few people in those Scotia already do this. they've consulted lawyers and they've come to us and asked us uh what <coughs> what do we need to disclose regarding this to make sure we're following securities regulation in this province yeah
3: the takeaway there is um don't be afraid, come on down and uh, uh we'll help you out,
2: yeah. That's great to hear.
1: Um, that's kind of definitely a healthy step in the right direction, moving towards acceptance. Because it seems to me that um, it's not going anywhere. And the only path forward is kind of of, of joining forces, right? Yeah. Um, as well, is is was there any particular bad instances with um, cryptocurrency fraud you've seen, or is it? Was that less prevalent?
3: Cryptocurrency fraud is very prevalent. And yeah. um, uh, in particular, uh, any cryptocurrency fraud that's, that's um, <laughs> well, uh, taking place perhaps overseas, uh, it is a very risky investment for anybody. Yeah. Um, if it's not regulated, then chances are the true risks are not being disclosed. What regulators are concerned about for investors is whether or not they have the appropriate information to make an informed decision. Okay. So you can go right ahead. Um, I like to tell people, um, are you investing? Questions to ask yourself. Are you investing or are you speculating? And if you're speculating, you need to sort of understand the risks of what you're doing there uh, because that may be very different from... Um, investing itself, okay? I was just, I was recently just watching a portfolio manager on Business News Network, and he was talking about that. You know, ask yourself, do you really, uh, are are you trying to get in and time a market and and trying to make a quick return? That's great. You can do that, um, but you have to understand what the risks are of of that. Are you uh, willing to lose all your money? And if you are, then you might want to set limits, right?
1: It's funny you bring up the speculating versus investing because as we were just talking about in my finance class that I just came from, we were getting into market efficiencies and my professor uh, Igor Semenenko brought up uh, Benjamin Graham's book, The Intelligent Investor. And I remember reading this book and one of the first differentiations that Mr. Graham draws is the difference between trading and investing. And so trading, he says, is inherently speculative. You're just trying to catch short term moves versus investing is something where you can actually attach a value to it, mostly from their revenues and their growth, um, and therefore hold it for a longer period of time. So I've seen that as well. A big problem with cryptocurrency is it's hard to calculate underlying value, right, for investing. So it's just interesting those points that not a lot of people are, are aware of that. They just try to catch mm-hmm. the euphoria and, and think it will go up uh,
2: endlessly. And um, fraudsters and scam runners know that about people, that they're thinking this is the next rich, get quick rich thing. Right? Yeah. So they... The scams don't really change. It's the way they use them to target people. And ICOs and and crypto seems to be the one they're using these days. Yeah,
1: they always feed off the same things. So um, along the the trend of chasing euphoria and endless returns, (laughs) I have to get into uh, marijuana stocks and pot stocks. So uh, I suppose I'll carry over the same question. Has there been any fraudulent activity or, or scamming around that with people trying to feed off of the euphoria there recently?
3: Well, I, uh, in the Canadian markets, I, am not specifically aware of any, um, okay. but recently, but re- recently there was a warning that was issued in the American markets and the American regulators were saying this, that it's, it, of course it's different in the United States, right? In some states, cannabis is, is, uh, legal. Um, yeah. And so they, they are saying, you know, watch for fraudsters there. What cannabis uh, companies or any sort of new company, what they can be um, victims of, of are market manipulations and in particular what's called uh, a pump and dump scheme. So, yes. so what you have is you have companies touting or, or promoters touting the performance of a certain stock. This stock is going to go super high. Everybody jumps in. The stock rides up. They're driving this. They jump out, and the stock collapses, yeah. of course, because the stock is not. Um, there's no earnings there. It's uh, it's sort of uh, at the at the, at the initial stage, so it's speculative. So um, the the United States regulators were were making warnings about that, um, and in Canada, the Canadian regulators are uh, are looking for issues around disclosure mm. and the disclosure, in particular, the disclosure of risks.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned pump and dump schemes because that was a question I had around market manipulation. Have you seen any mon- market mani- manipulation or pump and dump schemes in the marijuana market around here at all? Or is that only kind of that example in the States
3: there? I haven't seen any. That, that, uh, that segment of the market is relatively new. Yeah. And so, um, you know, ask me that question in a year and, and you don't. Uh, maybe so. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. And is there any set way you guys um, kind of become aware of pump and dump schemes? Because, I mean, obviously, the obvious answer is you can look at a chart and if there's massive spikes way up into the air and then returning right to where it came from, like multiple times a year, you probably have something there. Is that would you look for that and then try to investigate the sources of that?
3: That could happen. The The marketplace itself has what's called, uh, there, There's certainly there's surveillance in the marketplace all the time. Yeah. And there's also um, what's called circuit breakers that are in the marketplace as well. So if, if a stock all of a sudden is making a very sudden and dramatic drop or shift, a circuit breaker can trigger and the stock can be halted. Okay. Uh, and that will give the marketplace uh, a cooling off period. Those cooling off periods tend to be very short. An hour to a half a day to a day and what I want to say about that is ultimately the stock will fall where it's going to stock uh, where it's going to end where it's going to fall and it's going to land where it's supposed to land the regulator is not there to prop up a stock yeah the regulator just wants to make sure that everybody has the information that they need to which is they want to make it fair and efficient
1: okay um, and is there specific percentage points that set up because I know exchanges in the States have a, like 7% drop and then a 13% drop and each one has a different times, uh, suspension attached to it.
3: That's exactly correct. And, uh, the exact ones I'm not sure, but it's usually in, in, in percentages of about yeah. 10, 10, 20, 30.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, it's a
2: certain amount of time. Yeah.
1: And have we seen any of those recently? I don't follow the markets that actively, but would that, I imagine that would be quite rare for those measures to have to be taken.
3: Uh, Yes, it can happen. I haven't seen one recently, but it it certainly has happened. It's a system that that has come out of the United States and um, yeah, it's used and it, 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 it works where it needs to.
1: Yeah. It's always good to have those fail safes because in in the cryptocurrency market without those fail safes, you know it can it can be quite wild being like a bullwhip running around. Um, so back to marijuana, is there um, have you guys been focusing on education tailored to millennials around stocks because I know that's like the hottest thing mm-hmm. in my peer group. And, and do you guys, uh, do you have an approach to that?
2: Well, in, in the last year, CSA has issued a, a few different notices around the marijuana in- investing industry, if you call it, since it's a, yeah. it's a new industry. So yeah. there's with that comes um, substantial risks. So uh, about a year ago, CSA did issue a notice about informing people at the risk of marijuana investing. About, about it being a new industry but still being illegal in other parts of the world and how that might affect people investing and to be, be uh, uh, knowing about that if you're going to invest in that kind of thing. And, and as Leon mentioned uh, not too long, about a month ago, we also issued a CSE issue notice regarding um, hot stocks and companies issuing uh, shares in the in marijuana industry aren't uh, disclosing enough information for their taste so that's something yeah. else we want to look at going forward to make sure people have the information they need to make informed business decisions. Yeah.
3: Those stocks are trading at at, uh, at valuations that that may not be true valuations. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of euphoria in the marketplace just now. And uh, it remains to be seen uh, where those uh, stocks are going to drop um, because generally speaking, um, those uh, earnings, so earnings, and I- if it's a new company, you don't really know what the earnings are going to be yet, right?
1: Yeah, it's terrifying looking at it from a, a value investing type uh-huh. perspective because I've I've looked at like Canopy Growth Corp. and and Afria to name a few, and these ones and others have revenues of about ten to twenty million dollars, but the company on the Toronto Stock Exchange is valued at ten to twenty billion dollars, and, it, and it's like there's no rational connection there, right? So that's become uh, very fearful for myself. Is is the return to mean on the charts may be quite drastic. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, I suppose it's paramount to take all the protective measures uh, possible for investors. Um, so with the, in the marijuana industry in Nova Scotia, do you guys know the, the size of that uh, investing industry in Nova Scotia or, or how people could access that information if there is sort of a resource base there?
2: It's still too early to tell because those there do,
3: do you want to know how many companies are issuing
2: Yeah, securities? I mean, that's the start, yeah.
3: Uh, well, uh, well, here's what I do know about it. Uh, I do know that there are some companies who are... are so companies are, are raising cap. Companies need capital. Yeah. And if they're raising capital, like they're likely uh, require registration or an exemption from registration. And I do know that there are companies who are raising capital under exemptions in the province and doing so... Um, and making their filings, and that's great.
1: Yeah, and do you think some of these companies may be kind of getting ahead of themselves, raising capital, kind of preying on the hype here to get money that they may not necessarily be able to return or pay off in the future?
3: Um, Great question. Um, Actually, they're raising capital so that they can get their operations going at this stage of the game. Um, and that's what they're raising capital for. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, bil- it's buildings uh, it's, uh, uh, making its production yep. and it's going to remain, it remains to be seen, uh, what the earnings are going to be same as any other company. It's going to be based on yields. It's going to be based on demand and those types of things. And, and, uh, again, ask me in a year. And I think you, you have probably yeah, have a very it's, interesting it's answer. Very,
1: it's very nascent. Um, in, in the cannabis industry, I, I foresee in the next year or two... There's going to be many, many mergers and acquisitions of the smaller companies, kind of getting gobbled up by the much bigger ones. Um, do you guys have oversight over that? So, like, if there's securities in both these companies, kind of how they merge and, and the impact on investors?
3: Yes, absolutely. If it's if it's if it's Nova Scotia company, or uh, yes, we would we would uh, there's uh, they would make their filings with our corporate finance department, and uh, they would uh, issue their securities. In the same way, yeah, they would report in, and corporate finance would would have a look at those things. Okay. Anytime somebody's raising capital, uh, they typically would issue a prospectus, or they would uh, operate on some of the exemptions that are in Nova Scotia. Yeah. And our corporate finance people have to, uh, they have to get a prospectus receipted, so that we have to receive that and say, yes, you can do that.
1: Okay. so, moving to more the housing market in Nova Scotia and um, uh, Halifax, I'm wondering, do you guys have jurisdiction over REITs, so real estate investment trusts, because I imagine those would be classified mm-hmm. as securities?
2: Oh, REITs. Uh, there are two REITs in Nova Scotia, uh, Crombie and Killam, as right. everyone probably knows, and they are considered to be issuers in this province. So, we do have regulatory authority over them. Okay. In certain aspects,
1: yeah, and so as well in Nova Scotia, um, there would be foreign REIT investment as well. So in REIT, say from from New York or from from France, summers um, internationally, would you guys have any interaction or oversight over those uh, REITs investing in the local market?
3: If they were issuing securities, that's where our jurisdiction yeah. would kick in.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with the Killam and Crombie, um, have those been, um, growing a lot as, uh, as I, as everybody sees the Halifax and Dartmouth markets seem to be, um, growing, you see a lot of Killam properties there as well.
3: I don't have the numbers. Hmm. What I will say about that is that those, uh, uh, they tend to invest in commercial buildings. Yeah. And that tends to be a bit of a different segment of the market than just the, the general residential housing market.
1: Okay. Um, and would there still be speculation present in that commercial investment building?
3: I don't know if it's a highly speculative industry. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be certainly. If my only guess would it wouldn't be as speculative as say um, uh, cannabis or where where cannabis yeah. is, is a new is a new mm-hmm. venture. Real estate investing has been has been around it as, mm-hmm. as as long as investing has been around. So I think for the most part that that it is an investment versus yeah. a speculative investment yeah. especially
2: with REITs where they have a, a dividend base on them as well. That's okay. not something you're gonna speculate on very Yeah, much so.
1: and buy up. Um, I'm just wondering because with so many housing markets growing and in Halifax and Toronto and Vancouver, I was wondering if there's similarities being seen here of speculative housing investing like there was in 2008 that led to a fall and recession.
3: Um uh, yeah no uh, the the answer is no. I'm uh, our, our market, the good news is that our market is growing. It hasn't been growing to the extent that say a Toronto or Vancouver has. No. It is up typically year over year, and it's usually up about 2.5% each year.
1: Really? Yes. That's great. So it's more of a healthy, steady growth at this point in time. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Just,
3: just anecdotally, I've I i, I I've been reading recently, and it does appear as though people from other jurisdictions are going to be coming in to get our, our rather uh, inexpensive housing.
1: That's great. And so these people coming in as well say they can't necessarily afford to buy their whole house, but they instead want to invest in the REIT, um, Is there is would you guys try to support that, and is there education you do with those people as well, um, say, people coming into the economy?
3: I would think that uh, people who want to invest in REITs may be a little more sophisticated. They right. may be doing so through financial advisors, yeah. and if that's the case, then they're well taken care of. Okay. Um, purchasing a home is uh certainly an investment but not necessarily security Security. and so yeah that's sort of that's the difference for us
1: okay and in nova scotia moving on from reits is there a specific area of investment and security that gets more attention than any else and and what what would kind of be the more prominent areas if there are any
3: well um what i want to say about that was that generally speaking um nova scotians exposure would likely be an an average Nova Scotian would likely have exposure to mutual funds mutual yes. funds are a trillion dollar industry in Canada and mutual funds would uh, likely be in people's pensions mm-hmm. and our uh, RSP investing um, I think for the average uh, or beginning investor um, it's a great way to get in the market
1: oh uh, yeah Absolutely.
3: In Nova Scotia, also we have a program, um, a, uh, a program for raising capital, which is called the CDF program, which is the Community Economic Development Investment Fund. And um, small communities can uh, form these funds, and they can invest in certain certain um, operations or companies or whatever. And right in Wolfville, there has been a CDF, which was the Just Us Coffee CDF. Really?
1: Uh, yes. I didn't know they had that. They had that kind of capital raising yes, for that. Yes, yes, they did. Business. And there's
3: and there's certain um, tax uh, benefits. So there's there's certain tax uh, deductions for that type of investment. And uh, generally, every year there's between you know 500 and 700 Nova Scotians who invest in CDs. And usually, just just an average. Uh, raised would be uh, about $6 million a year is raised in the province to the seat of program.
1: That sounds great and very, very beneficial to the communities, especially here in Wolfville through just us. So I must ask, what would be the kind of demographic that would have access to this? And, And could I go to a financial advisor and any financial advisor be able to sell this to me or do I need to be accredited?
3: No, it's nope. any Nova Scotian can get in, That's and great. the CDFs can sell it directly. You don't even have to sell it through a financial okay. advisor channel, so you can participate in the CDF yourself. Uh, you would sign certain sort of risk disclosure documents, and and then they would take your subscription, and they would issue your, your securities, and then you would get a, usually a tax uh, deduction, mm-hmm. which you would then file when you do your taxes at the end okay. of the year.
1: Okay, and how does... Kind of the investment side of it work. Is there dividend payouts or is that just kind of is it an equity stake in the company or businesses that it invests in?
3: It depends. It depends on on what the what they're investing in. Um, a lot of the wind fields have gone that way. Okay. Um, well, it generally it is generally the hope that there will be dividends at the end of that. Yeah. In some cases there are. In some cases they're not.
1: Yeah. Um, would you have any information? Just because I know a lot of our listeners are here at Acadia and Wolfville, do you have any information regarding just us Seedith and and how much it would raise? And would that have been just for the company Just Us, that startup, or would it be spread around between others as well?
3: Well, it, it was a Just Us Seedith, so it was an investment fund that okay. the Just Us Coffee uh, people and and I'm I'm just you, I just thought of it off the top of my head because we're here in Wolfville and we just drove by and had some coffee there. Um, but it is an example of what can be done yeah. with yeah. with in communities. And so, uh, you know, you have boards of directors, you have everyday people in that community um, forming, getting together and forming um, an investment fund and moving it forward that way.
2: I will say that um, Just Us is a great example of the success <laughs> in the C. program, but um, yeah. I will also say that not every investment in the C. program is going to be a Just Us coffee. So if you're investing in C. make sure you know everything, not only about the company, what the back, how, what investing in C. diff actually is all about before you undertake such right. a thing. So.
1: And it's great because it gives kind of the average investor exposure to more of a venture capital or private equity type operation where... I would want to help out these community businesses Mm -hmm. like Just Us, but normally you would never be able to unless you were an accredited investor and and could seed fund them. Um, so you mentioned wind farms as well is there um, a prevalence of investing in those because I mean driving here to Wolfville along the highway you can see a, a few dozen of them along the ridge and and hopefully more more to come as well is there um, an increase in that area of investment say in renewable energy and wind farms
3: uh, there can be yeah certainly there's been a number of wind, uh, wind firms and wind ventures, wind mm. funds, yeah. um, have raised capital through the of program as well.
1: That's yeah. great.
0: You're listening to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration at Katy University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host Brendan McNeil interviews David Harrison, Manager, Investor Education and Communication Officer at Nova Scotia Securities Commission, and Leanne Bradshaw, Senior Investigator with Nova Scotia Securities Commission Enforcement Branch.
1: So I have to ask, um, for millennials specifically, is there uh, advice you would give towards millennial investors or directions you would point them? I understand you can't give uh, investing advice mm-hmm. because that's um, not your job or no. education. But what do you typically tell millennial investors and and what do they need to hear?
3: I think that investors uh, any investor uh, needs to needs to understand the risks of what it is there they want to undertake yeah and when I'm looking at and dealing with people who have been victims of fraud um, if there's sort of a checklist of basics they haven't checked off that list which is did you know what you were investing in Uh, did you open your statements Uh, were you willing or able to lose a certain amount of money Uh, did you uh, check it out did you make sure that your financial advisor is registered did you make sure that the companies uh, that that person is recommending registered as well so it's just those Mm -hmm. are just really some of the basics and and people become uh, uh, complacent, I think, ultimately. Uh, even um, astute investors, people who have been investing for a long period of time, chance sometimes, you know, they're not opening their mail. It's just that simple. They're yep. really not protecting themselves. We can only do, a regulator can only do yep. so much. At the end of the day, uh, you have to be informed.
2: Yep. Yeah, an investor, really the first line of defense for an investor is themselves, to yep. be knowledgeable about what they're investing in, uh, who they're trusting their money to. Uh, the old adage, it's, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Is probably If you remember that, and if, you're, if someone breaks an investment opportunity to you that does sound like that, think it over twice before you do anything.
1: Yeah, I see that a lot as well in the investment world and, and cryptocurrency. If it's too good to be true, many times, uh, nine times out of ten, it will be. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And people can't get their money out. And I think that's a big question to ask yourself. Can I get this money back? Can I get this investment out? And if I can, how fast can I turn it back into cash?
1: Right. Yeah, all about personal protection. Um, As well, the Securities Commission is broken up in Canada by province, Mm -hmm. whereas in the US and other places it's the Federal uh, Securities and Exchange Commission Regulator. Um, is there particular advantages for Canada's model of regulation and do you get but is there also hiccups that you guys see in inconsistencies where a uh, federal regulator may work better
3: great question um, so uh, what you're referring to is the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States and uh, that is a national uh, it, it, it administers federal laws and any companies they do a lot of the, what's called the filings so many companies, if you're issuing securities, will have to have continuous disclosure filings. They have to file financial statements and okay. disclosures during the year. Many people don't know that in the United States, there are also state regulators. It is a system of two uh, regulators. So you get a state regulator and you get the national regulator as well. And those state regulators will can work with sort of... Uh, investment uh, advisors portfolio managers who have uh, smaller amounts of capital okay okay um when you have a smaller jurisdiction if you have a state regulator they may be able to get to things much more quickly than uh, a national body um it's neither sort of good nor bad it it, it, it that's the system yeah. in canada it's a very similar system which is the provinces all have regulators uh, and the territories. And those regulators also work in a cooperative way. So uh, there's there's no gaps I, I, in Nova Scotia. You would make your filings uh, with the Nova Scotia Securities Commission. You, you wouldn't have to do it twice. We do have two national bodies as well. They are called self-regulating organizations. The first one is called the Mutual Fund Dealers Association, often known as the MFDA. And the second one is called uh, their acronym is IROC, which is Investment Industry Regulatory Authority of Canada. And they regu- regulate the investment dealers, the stockbrokers, and the trading arm. Okay, so they do all this market surveillance as well. So there is a patchwork system and a whole system. And, and the regulators um, share information in a, in a cooperative way. Mm-hmm. And in the Nova Scotia Securities Commission, for example, would also... Uh, work with our colleagues in any state or with the SEC. Okay. Yeah.
1: David, do you have anything to add about that? About <laughs> your side of education?
2: Uh, well, under the Canadian Securities Administrators, which all uh, 13 uh, securities regulars in Canada are part of, it is a collaborative system. We, we collaborate on policy. We collaborate on educational materials, which, which makes it easier to spread our message across Canada, I believe. But also, yeah. at the same time, if, if there's something on Nova Scotia that I want to visit Acadia, it's, it's easy to do, obviously. Exactly.
3: The, um, uh, the, the, all the, uh, reg- the North American regulators uh, can work cooperatively in a system, which is n- commonly referred to as NASA, which uh-huh. is N-A-S-A-A. That is the North American Securities Administrators Association.
1: Okay. I see how they had to add the association at the end to avoid any confusion there with space and rockets.
3: Correct. Yeah.
1: Um, So, David, that's great that um, we could have this opportunity right with the interprovincial securities regulators where it's easy for you guys to come to Acadia and, and to educate um, is there any other resources or mediums of education you guys use? I know you have a, a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, how else do you reach out to your investors?
2: Um, we do. We do have a well, our website nscc.noskush.ca. We have uh, an education section on that site, which includes a blog that we update at least once a week. We do a question of the week segment, where we try and answer a question about investing. Whether it be a very basic question about something like what is mutual funds, or a more in-depth question about uh, is are ICOs a security and what does yeah, mean. we try and answer, uh, try and hit as whether it be the novice investor or the someone more more knowledgeable. We try and answer as many questions as we can to, to educate investors to make informed decisions. But we also we have a Twitter account, which we use to not okay. only share our media releases, our investor alerts, we also share a lot of educational materials on there, too. So, if anyone looking for more information, either, whether it be on the Securities Commission or Investor Education, we advise them to check out our website, uh, follow our blog, follow our RS, RSS feed, and uh, follow us on Twitter. Because we'd like to hear from you, as well. So
1: Yeah. And... Before we wrap it up, is there any last points you guys would like to go over or to share to many of the university students that will be listening to this podcast that will be pursuing investment careers or personal investment, hopefully in the, within the next few years, if not
2: months? Uh, as we said, as I said before, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Remember, all investments have risks. If anyone offers you a high firm investment with no risk involved... Uh, is probably fraudulent or uh, a scam. So yeah. always, always think twice before investing. Never go into it lightly. Never going to do it uh, without taking. Yeah
3: engagement and uh, and the ability to understand the information that's out there I I think it's just it's just two basics you just really need to get in there and figure out what it is you're going to do also if you use if you use a financial advisor that's great too um, just make sure and follow up um, make sure that the transactions are being done yeah and open your mail and check every now and again
1: yeah and it's always best to go through regulated advisor then giving straight cash to people in the street because you know it's always using your best judgment as well of course. so i want to thank you guys for coming and not only to present to uh our investment analysis class earlier today but also taking your time to come into the podcast and and share your insights in the industry that people may not often see and may just brush off as unimportant and not see the risks and the fraud that there is so thank you david and leanne from nova scotia securities commission for sharing this thanks so much oh, for thank having you it. as well yes yep. take care
3: great
0: The Exchange podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you would like to donate to help support the Exchange podcast, please see podcast under the News and Events tab on the business homepage at business.kadu.ca. Thank you. Exchange would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendra Carmichael, duane Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, Connor Vibert, and Emma Hope. Music is "Pickup truck by Silent Partner. Access copyright-free at the YouTube Audio Library. Follow the Axe podcast on the News and Events tab on the Business homepage, or at SoundCloud under Axe Until next time, I'm Grace Butler. Yours in Acadia Spirit.